0: Hello, everybody. This is Courtney Stanley, and welcome to another exciting episode of Dare to Interrupt, a listening experience where you have the opportunity to be a fly on the wall and sit in on honest, unfiltered conversations with women who are considered to be the most influential and inspiring leaders in the world of events, hospitality, business, and beyond. Throughout their careers, these women have dared to interrupt conversations, their own comfort zones, and sometimes even societal norms to hustle towards their greatest levels of success. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guests. That's right. Today, we have two leading ladies with us. We are joined by Annette Gregg, Senior Vice President of Experience at Meeting Professionals International, and Jen Artura, Senior Director, Global Events and Incentive Programs, Veritas Technologies, LLC. It is a pleasure to have you here today, Annette and Jen. We have so much to talk about today, but I do want to make sure that the audience has an opportunity to learn more about your current roles and what you're doing. So, Annette, would you take a moment to tell us about your
1: current position as VP of Experience at MPI? Sure. So um, I've been a member of MPI since 1996, and I was on the board for a while with you, Courtney, also. And they had this wonderful position come available, uh, Senior Vice President of Experience. And they basically combined a couple different uh, departments the member engagement, um, education and live events departments into this experience team. So those are my areas that I oversee. And so I joined the association as a full-time staffer last uh, September. And uh, we have a, an event suite of anywhere from probably probably around 10 live events that we do every year. This year has been a little different, as you can imagine. And then education-wise, uh, we produce, gosh, I want to say about 100 um, educational assets a year uh, globally. So we're a busy, busy team. Yeah, I bet. And things certainly have changed, <laughs> but you guys yeah. are doing
0: a really great job, I think, with providing uh, you know resources that people really need right now. So hats off to you and your team and the rest of the MPI family. Really well done. Thanks, Court. And Jen... Senior Director of Global Events and Incentive Programs. I would love to hear more about what you do. Your job sounds super, super fun. And I love seeing all of the amazing photos that when you are traveling, you get to post and you get to visit. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your role and what you're responsible for?
2: Sure, I first... um... I'm also a member of MPI. So yay MPI. (laughs) And, um, I do miss traveling. I will say that as well. I do miss, uh, trailblazing across the globe. It's one of my favorite things to do, but it'll come back at some point. Um, so in my role, I've, I guess I should say in the many roles I've had in the events organization, I have been leading events now for about five years and I have touched just about every single event that this co- our company has ever had. Um, Veritas is in the data protection business. And so we do a lot of internal and externally facing events, everything from uh, sales conferences, trainings, user conferences, incentive programs, trade shows, you name it. Um, and in most recently, I'm focusing on most of our sales experiences, which includes our sales incentive program, uh, which is usually a trip, of course, which won't be this year. And also our sales leadership events and some other uh, sales related um, experiences. And so um, my team has is focused on that. We do global events, uh, you know, all over the place. And I think uh, now, uh, like everybody else, what we spent most of our time doing is taking another look at our strategy, reevaluating it, and reimagining how we can do events now in a digital world. So uh, that's that's what we're focused on right now. And I, I'll say that we're pretty much switched everything over and are going to be fully digital through at least the middle of next year.
0: Wow! Wow! Well, I think a lot of people are in the same boat. <laughs> I think our industry is starting to look a little bit, you know, further down the road to figure out what exactly we need to be doing now and when we can get back to meeting face to face, which I know we all miss so, so much. Annette, you mentioned our time that we served on MPI's International Board of Directors together, which was a really, really phenomenal experience. Um, And... I mean, I know it takes a lot of work to and a lot of strategic movements to get to that level of leadership and also to get to where you are today, sitting on MPI's staff in that VP position. What would you say one of the most effective strategies you implemented was in earning your success?
1: Mm, Such a great question. Well, and this wasn't just through those experiences, but just through a series of um, my, my job that I had at the time and then books I had been reading, but really really engaging in what I'll start out by calling office politics. But, but it's really just the areas of influence and, and alliance building. I think that when we talk about office politics, it has such a negative connotation. And so many of us, me included, Enter the workforce and say, hey, I'm going to rise above that. I'm just going to let my work stand for itself and I'm going to outperform. And really, it's you don't have a choice uh, whether or not to get involved in office politics because people create affinities and create alliances very organically. And it's just because they're comfortable with who they're comfortable with, and if you're not strategically realizing what alliances exist and how to leverage them for what you need done, then you're you're really just at a disadvantage uh, in the workplace. And so I think particularly on the board for me, when I was serving on the board of directors, is is really getting alignment for some ideas that I was going to be pitching, say in upcoming meetings. You know, we only met four times a year as a board. And so you got to make sure that those times you're prepared and you're really leveraging that time wisely. And so I would do a lot of pre-work in just kind of circulating my ideas and just aligning my uh, my allies, if you will. And I I realized I was doing that all day in my my daily job too. I was working as a um, you know head of events, VP of experience for a large financial firm that was very politically focused and, and just the way that they did business had a lot of internal alliances. And so I realized it was just a muscle that I had to develop over time. And it, it really, um, the way that I got over the kind of the distaste for it, it's really, again, not politics has such a negative connotation anyway, but it, it was more about in, influence and alliances. And, and once you position it that way, it it felt less yucky to me, Um, and and again, it's just a normal part of really having influence and success in, in the business world. Yeah, I love that you
0: put a positive spin on the word politics and playing office politics, because I actually remember interviewing you um, at WEC at MPI's annual conference, maybe two years ago now. And you talked about the importance of playing office politics. And I, I don't think that a lot of people talk about that, because it does feel like it's, you know, backdoor conversations, and maybe it's something that's dirty or manipulative. But it really doesn't have to be. And I do, I totally agree that I I. Think it is absolutely necessary and and a lot of times instrumental in the steps that you're able to take within that particular experience or opportunity. So, my follow-up question to that would be because a lot of people are afraid to, you know, maybe get their hands a little bit dirty and trying to build alliances in a strategic way. So, is there advice that you can give to people to make sure that they are identifying the right People and the right opportunities to build those alliances.
1: Yeah, and I I really refer to this as there's two ways to go about it. There's kind of I refer to it as your personal board of directors, kind of that that cadre of people that you trust, that you can go to 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 get a gut check on some things that you're you're considering. So I have those folks in my life that are just wonderful mentor sponsors. They've just been around for me. They're either former bosses or just people I really respect. And so I'll kind of tap into that brain trust as needed um, and really just say, hey, you know, help me figure this out. What are my blind spots in this? Or this is a job I'm interested in. Do you think it'd be a good fit? I mean, just those wonderful um again, brain trust that I can then leverage as I need to. And then specifically more intentionally, maybe on a project by project or situation by situation where you really just knowing who the influencers are and approaching them with a, um, a little bit more of a curiosity, like, Hey, I could really use your advice really. So, so giving them the respect that they're somebody that that you really value their opinion. And I've never been turned away. You know, if I say, hey, I could really use five or 10 minutes of your time. You've been around this company a long time. You understand the ins and outs or you've been around this uh, community a long time. Would you mind discussing with me this, this idea I have? And I've never been turned away. And usually people are really open and they want to give with their, their time and experience. And it's just been a wonderful way to, to create some relationships.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that completely. That's I actually do um, one-on-one coaching with a lot of young professionals within the meetings industry, and that's something that I always recommend that they do. Take advantage of the fact that you are you're maybe younger or you're curious about learning more about an area or a certain sector of our field, and just you know coming to the table with uh, an attitude of humility and curiosity and asking other people, you know, what their perspective is or if they have any ideas or advice on certain topics. So totally agree with that and that I think that's a really effective way to begin building those relationships with people that you'd like to to be a little bit closer to and to learn from. And Jen you and I actually had the opportunity to serve on the Association for Women and Events Board of Directors. And something that I really admired about you was your your passion for sponsorship and mentorship and really, you know, serving um, as an ally to other people around you. Would you say that it has been really beneficial to you in your professional development to have those mentors and sponsors around you?
2: Yes, yes, I do. I, you know, I echoed something even that Annette had said, I do think it's super important that you're, you look around you and you figure out who are the right people that you want to start building those healthy relationships with as advocates. And, you know, they can be an advocate for you, but you can also be an advocate for them. And another important piece there is also sort of is creating that strong personal brand of, who you are, what you do, and making sure that the work that you're doing is highly visible throughout your organization. And visibility is so important when you're, you know, when there are time for promotions and things like that come along. If the work that you're doing is not visible by everyone, it's as if it didn't happen. And I think that's where sponsors can really and alliances that you build and especially sponsors can come in to play and be really powerful for you. And a sponsor for me is always someone that is, you know, at least two levels higher than me. Um, they can't be your boss, right? Because you don't want to have any of that, you know, any potential conflict there. Your boss serves a role, absolutely. Um, but your your sponsor serves a different role. You know, they they know you, they understand your skills, they know your work ethic. They're kind of a, a vocal internal resume for you, right? They're like a champion that that knows you really well. Um, and this person will have a seat at the table when you don't have a seat at the table because they're two levels higher than you. So they know about organizational changes, they know about things happening happening in the company they know what impacts are on the horizon that may be impacting your job or other jobs they know when a new job or opportunity is coming up and because they're in the know, they always can keep an eye out for you, right? And they always have, they can say something positive about you when these, when these opportunities come up. And for me, really, um, I had, I had some amazing sponsors, um, especially in the last couple of years. And one of mine, um, was, uh, the leader of the company and he was, we had just developed a, a tremendous trust For one another, and you know, I earned that trust. I I really earned that trust um, in working for him. And once I had that trust, there was this mutual respect, and he had a genuine desire to see me succeed, and I had a a genuine desire to have the company succeed and him succeed. So I think when that came together um, organically over time, um, you know, I really, I really had some amazing opportunities because I had such a great sponsor. Um, You know. For years, you know, and I've had other sponsors since then. Uh, and I, my advice to anyone is to get a sponsor. Um, definitely get a sponsor, and the, and it's a little bit different than a mentor because a mentor can be a more organized way of communicating. You can approach somebody that you really admire and you can ask them to take time to mentor you let's say you want to learn to be a better writer you can find somebody that's a, a published author and they can help mentor you to become a better writer whereas i think a sponsor can be just more about your overall you know professional development versus a specific um you know a specific initiative that you're trying to work towards and and i've had some good mentors too but i really feel like the sponsorship piece for me was um, really, really helped me accelerate my career.
0: It's interesting because both of you mentioned the word visibility, um, and I, I believe that that's pointing to the importance of being heard and being seen for the work that you do. And I totally believe that work that is done behind the scenes is rarely heard or seen. So how would you, maybe Annette will go to you for this question, how, how would you encourage or advise people, maybe especially women, to make sure that they are being seen and heard and that they are visible?
1: Such an important question. You know, I think for for a long time in the beginning of my career in a lot of these women's groups that I was involved in, we were all jockeying, like, how do we get a seat at the table, you know? And we I, I think we have a seat at the table, it still doesn't mean we're being heard. So I think it's really important. There's two things that come to mind. The first thing is to, to really have your voice. I mean, the whole reason that you have this dare to interrupt, and I just love the title of it, is we have to get comfortable with having an opinion. And, and, you know, respectfully stating your opinion and women are still afraid to to speak up. And especially when you get into even hostile work environments where it's largely uh, um, male dominated, perhaps, or where people speak over each other. And it's really hard, especially in this virtual environment. It's even harder. You read articles. It's even harder for women to be heard in the virtual environment. They just really fade to the background. And, and it's so, it's, Our work will not speak for itself. Like Jen said, we have to call attention to our work. And so, so that's the first thing is that we have to be much more intentional with finding our voice and having a voice. And then the second one is, leveraging what Jen was talking about with sponsors, so, so important. And how do we leverage those people to where we're actually articulating what we need from them? So if it's one thing to have them in your, in your um, group, your cadre and your, your professional board of advisors, but I've had to say to bosses, Hey, uh, I really need your help in this situation. I really need you to back me in this meeting because so-and-so took my idea last time. And I need you to pay attention because it happens to me a lot. And so this boss in particular really responded well. Where he said, "Hey, Annette," in the next meeting we were in, the very next meeting, he's like, "Annette just said that idea." So I had to really call it out because it was such a setting that it, it's just people don't have awareness of it. You know, it's not like it was it was this this um, horrible work environment. It's just it's a lack of awareness of how much ideas are stolen from each other. And when I brought it to the attention of my boss, who happened to be a man, and how sensitive. Uh, you know, how that made me feel and how disenfranchised that made me feel. He was really great. And now he's more aware of it. And now he gives credit. If I feel like my idea is being stolen, he gives me credit, make sure that the group um, hears my voice. And so I had to, I had to really have that tough conversation, a very vulnerable conversation and articulate what I needed from him. But it's worked out.
0: I love that story yeah. so much, Annette, because I think that it not only speaks to your boldness and your acceptance of embracing vulnerability to make sure that you're not doing yourself a disservice, but I also love that it provided somebody else an opportunity to help amplify you, you know, and he may not have realized that something was even happening and there were no questions asked. Of course, he wants to support you and make sure that you're heard because you're there for a reason and you're offering value to the group in a way that That's different from everybody else. So I love that that has so much potential to become something even more powerful than maybe even the initial, you know, I want people to to hear my ideas. I think that's really, really, really cool. I'm curious, do you think, and Jen, let's go to you for this one. Do you think that there are things that we do as professionals in the workplace, maybe as women in the workplace, where we actually undermine ourselves in the way that we communicate or present our, our ideas or, or our opinions?
2: You know, I, I wish I was going to say no to this, (laughs) but I do, I do. I think there are things that we do and I can't remember where I heard this expression, but it was called, somebody had said this to me at one point, it was said, you know, stand in your own success. And what it means is that, you know, a lot of times we, as women, we shy away from speaking up about our accomplishments, things that we've done. We, we downplay our experience, we downplay achievements. We, we may, you know, we may get accolades or, I mean, we don't tell anybody about it. Um, We do things behind the scenes, going back to that visibility that we don't share beyond our inner circle. And so nobody knows about them. And so we, we have this fear of bragging or being boastful or being looked at as conceited about, you know, what we've done in our accomplishments. And, you know, that, you can kind of shrink yourself up, you know. You can feel intimidated by yourself in a way. It's kind of an odd saying, but and and you have to just figure out, you know. And I think some of this t- for me personally it just it came in time and with more experience and more confidence. And confidence is something that we actually can learn. You know, we can learn to be more confident. It's not that you're confident or you're not. And and so going back to what Annette was saying about having a seat at the table, when you get that seat at the table you need to speak up because we wait for that seat. And when we finally get the seat at the table, we need to make sure that we're confident and we stand up and we speak for ourselves. And we, and we are not ashamed of the accomplishments that we've made or the ideas that we have or, um, you know, all of that, you know, and I think we can kind of get wrapped up in being afraid to um, be successful. Um, and sometimes, you know, when that happens, you, you have to sometimes even dig a little bit deeper and figure out, you know, why am I internalizing my accomplishments? Like, where does this come from? You know, cause you can psych yourself out and you get to that sort of imposter syndrome place where you think, you know, now it's, it snowballs a little, Oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm not qualified. Oh, I don't have the experience. Um, and, and you start to build this inaccurate picture of yourself. And you know, and that's not good. So I think how you get away from that, and it goes back to something else Annette had said and she called it her board of directors and I call it my circle of truth. And I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was to surround myself with people that will always tell me the truth. So I have that soundboard that I go back to when I say, you know, you know, I really want to put my hat in the ring for this and I just don't know. I don't think I can do that. Well, you know, there's somebody there to pretty much shake me and say, girl, what are you thinking? Like you can do that, you know, and you, and I, so I think that if you go back to both of those things and making sure you stand tall in your success, you take advantage of, when you have that seat at the table that, you know, you, you take advantage of it and, um, and, and don't internalize it. Don't internalize what you, what you've done in your accomplishments. Don't be embarrassed. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, something that I really admire about both of you in having the opportunity to experience sitting on a board of directors with each of you is that the two of you are very, you're both very confident women, but you also extend that confidence to other people around you. I remember being on MPI's International Board of Directors with Annette years ago now, and Annette pulling me aside after one of the meetings and, and telling me, you know, we need your voice. You, we don't have enough women at this time on this board and you're here for a reason. So we need you to lend your opinion and perspective. And it came at the perfect time because I was struggling with that that imposter syndrome and feeling intimidated by the people around me because everybody was so much more experienced in so many different ways. And I started to get in my own head about my own experience and the value that I was able to provide. So I really loved that moment. And I know, Annette, I've, I've mentioned it to you before, because it was just so meaningful to have somebody who I really look up looked up to um, come to me and say, I see you, but I don't hear you, and we need that voice. So I've just always appreciated that, Annette. And um, I'm curious, from your perspective, how you've been able to maybe build that confidence over the years, maybe for people who are struggling with this right now, where they're afraid to speak up.
1: Mm. Thanks, Court. Uh, for saying that to you and I have had so many great conversations around that particular moment and why that was so important. And I, I do try to get even the women that I directly manage and then their la- layer down below is how do we amplify and get all their voices more confident and more heard. And I think part of what women struggle with and, and Jen nailed it, um, is, Is really this fear of of I'm gonna say of just disagreement or being liked, you know. So so everybody wants to be liked, sure, unless you're just total sociopath and you don't need people, but you know, you want to be liked. And so if you're gonna put your neck out there, maybe have an opinion about something, you're gonna run the risk of boy, people are gonna disagree with me. And then what does that mean? Well, it means maybe I shouldn't be here, and then your mind goes into this horrible downward spin of of imposter syndrome and everything else. But I think we just have to get to the place where I don't, you know, I, maybe this comes with maturity um, uh, or just life in general, but I don't really need to be liked by everyone. And there's a lot of freedom in that. You know, once you get to that point where not everybody needs to be to be uh, your raving fan. I mean, I kind of joke that I'm an acquired taste, you know, like a nice wine. And once I got to that, it's better to be uh, respected versus liked by everybody. There's just helped me really form my my baseline of of who I am. Um, I remember there's, there are a couple stories that support this journey for me too. And, and, uh, I, I remember when I was going into a consulting project with a pretty high, uh, high up person in the academic world and, and, um, we're going into this pitch and I had worked on on weeks, for weeks uh, on this project. And I said, okay, well, what part do you want me to do of this pitch? And, and he, he literally said, you know, no, you just, I think I got it. You sit there and just look nice. And this is not 1950s. This is probably seven years ago. And this is somebody that knows me really well. And I I'm very established in my career and, you know, but this is how subtle this stuff is. And so I said, you know, I've had a response to that and, uh, you know, no, I'd like to contribute. I've been along along this ride, uh, this entire project, and I would like to contribute. But until we find that voice, that kind of stuff is so subtle, happens all the time and we're caught off guard. And we might know what to say. I mean, I could have just clammed up, right, and gone into the pitch and and looked nice. And uh, that's just not who I am. And that's not what women need to be. Women need to be heard. And if they're not given the platform, they need to find a platform where they can be heard. And I I think just my last thought on this is, um, I think it's important too for us to not fight every fight. You know, fight the good fight. I had about five years um, when I was on the board for Meeting Professionals International that I was lobbying for female-based leadership content. And I hit roadblocks a lot because they felt like we had plenty of content and it didn't need to be gender specific. And, of course, being a woman leader, I I knew that what women experience in the workplace is very different. And that's a fight that I finally I'm going to call it. I won. Um, And we have now a really robust library of female based content. And that's that's just one of those that I didn't need to fight every fight, but I was going to keep fighting that one. And I think it's important for women to choose and then keep going, lean in to the ones that they choose.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I I love what Annette said because it's so true and I don't, I don't know where it happened for me, but at some point I just got to a place where I said, you know what, not everybody has to like me and I don't have to like them either. And not everybody that smiles at me in a meeting or across the table is my friend. And, you know, there's nothing worse than real and those subtle comments that, you know, a subtle comment like that, you know, what an impact. You know something like a comment like that can have on could have had on annette right could have had on her had she decided to go in a different direction um if she had decided to sit at the table and not say anything and let him take the ball and run with it you know and i i've had i've had you know similar scenarios in my career where you know it was either a man or a woman um that you know put me in a position like that that would either you know uh, subtle comments that put me down or different actions in the workplace that would push me to the side and maybe out of the way or, you know, subtly forgetting to invite you to a meeting, you know, things like that where um, you know, and you think, oh my gosh, is this really happening? Like, you know, that's sort of the first moment. It's like a light bulb, like, what? is this really happening? And, and it's always so much worse when it's another woman, it just feels so much worse. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, and I've had that happen to me as well. And, you know, a couple things, you know, I've gone back to, um, Annette said this earlier, I've had a sponsor that, you know, I was able to go back to, um, who was two tiers higher than me that I could talk to about some of these things that were happening and say, you know, you, like Annette had said earlier, you've got to, you got to help me out here. I've done X, Y, and Z from my perspective, but this needs to stop happening. And I need to get out of, I need to be, I need to be, I can't have this happen anymore, you know, in the workplace and it's, it's going to start affecting things. And I actually had a boss, um, who had said to me, um, who, who was frustrated with me. He was, he was about, he was, A narcissist, and he was notorious for working our team to the bone, and he would take all the credit. And so he had a lot of unrealistic timelines and deliverables. And you know, I pushed back, and I stood up for myself, and I engaged others in the dialogue so that I wasn't, you know, up against him on my own. I brought in the circle, I brought other people into the mix, you know, that were either on calls with me or things like that, just so that it wasn't just me. All that, you know dealing with this on my own. And I started saying no to him. And when I started saying no to him, he told me I was aggressive and, you know, aggressive, you know, is not something is not a comp. It was not a compliment. Okay. It was probably the worst thing he could have ever said to me. And I thought, you know, you would never say that to me if I was a man and I found myself saying those words to him, you know, and I said, since when is ambition and drive and, um, a four letter word, you know, I'm, I'm producing, I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to do. And so to make a really long story short, you know, it's really hard to stand up for yourself, but you, you have to do it. And if you feel like you can't do it by yourself, then you have to figure out a way to engage others, whether it's a sponsor or or, you know, whatever channels you have available to you at work. Up- You know, another boss, someone that was a a a prior boss, Um, because we as women we struggle with this. It's kind of a a a cloud in a way that hangs over us in the workplace. We we struggle with being perceived as a respective leader versus a bossy woman. And you know, I hate to say, I think Beyonce has a quote: "I'm not bossy, I am the boss." Right, Um, Courtney? You know how much we love Beyonce, Um, and we're we are wired to be acutely aware of that. And so when somebody says you're aggressive, you gotta you gotta. You got to put that down, end it, stop it dead in its tracks and just not put up with it. And the end result of this is that I did leverage my sponsor to remove myself from that situation. This person no longer works for the company.
1: Jen, I, no surprise to you, I've been told the same thing. And I think this is really interesting, right? And I have told this story many times to younger women that I mentor too, is just because someone says something doesn't mean it's true. Right. And I think it's hard when you're uh, this person that said something I was told I was too direct a communicator. So it may as well have been the same thing, right? Too aggressive a communicator. and it was my boss. And I, I think the natural tendency is, well, then a person in authority says it, it must be true. And I want to learn. I want to be open and coachable. And I want to learn from, I want to learn from feedback and engage feedback. It doesn't mean I have to embrace everything everyone says to me as truth. And I chose not to, to to uh, to believe that statement that I was too direct of a communicator and found some found the right words, found some time to to simmer down, but said, hey, I think the world needs more direct communication. So I I, I respectfully disagree. And I think we just need to realize that just all the input that we're getting doesn't mean we have to take it all and internalize it all. Amen to that. Amen
0: to that. (laughs) I've got myself on mute over here, but I'm like, I mean, I'm ready to hit play on a Beyonce song. I'm ready to like throw my microphone across the room because I'm just like, yes, yes, yes to everything that both of you are saying right now. So if you could share one final piece of advice with other women in business, maybe within this industry or outside of this industry, what would that be? And Jen, maybe I'll go to you first.
2: Well, I think I, you know, I did tell you that my, my favorite piece of advice is to surround yourself with people that will tell you the truth. Um, and so I, I would still say that, um, and then my second favorite piece of advice is to always be visible. And <laughs> I've already said that one, um, <laughs> let me think, let me think of a third one. Um, I think, I think the other one, you know, for me, if I think about just being, um, a working mom, if I could throw that in there for a second. I think one of the things I, I learned and I, I wish I had learned it a lot sooner was that, you know, I don't going back to what Annette says. And I, I learned this as a, a working mom, I think is when the realization came is that you don't have to believe what everybody says about you. And when I realized this, it was when my son was really little and i was a working mom and i was traveling all over the place and you know i would get so much mom guilt i had i had my own mom guilt right cuz i didn't want to leave my my child at home but i would get guilt from both sides i would get people would other moms you know would would give me sort of this mom guilt and frown upon me that I traveled and that I worked and I wasn't, you know, uh, I wasn't always at the school meetings or I wasn't always at the the kids sporting events and things like that. And on the flip side, I would get the same thing it, at work. If I had to take a day off and be with my child or take somebody to a doctor's appointment or go to a school event, I always felt guilty about it. And I always felt like I was doing something wrong. And it took me, you know, I wish again, it took me a few years of having, you know, a child to figure out that, you know, basically who cares what these people think? I mean, (laughs) who cares what these people think? I'm, I'm a mom and I like to work and that's my business and not anybody else's work. And, you know, I work hard, I hustle and, and in the end I'm setting a good example for my son and he's going to see a strong woman who takes care of her family who works hard, who supports others, who stands up to what she believes in and loves him very, very much. And, you know, and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me and what I do and what I don't do. And I think now with COVID, what I see, um, you know, cause I've got lots of working moms that, that work on my team or that, you know, I work with and I've seen them go through similar struggles. And I think one of the One thing about COVID with having everybody work at home and moms and dads and, you know, at home is everybody is is at home with their children. And I think that has made people more empathetic compassionate, relatable to, you know, to, to others and just more human. And I hate it, you know, it's something positive. I feel that's kind of come out that, you know, that's, uh, that's come about in relation to COVID. Um, but yeah, I would just tell people and it doesn't have to be just in relation to being a working mom, but I think it's in relation to anything. It just doesn't matter what people think about you. If you put that stuff in your head, you'll drive yourself crazy. Hear, hear, Jen. Hear, mm-hmm. hear. Here.
0: Yep. Annette, I'd love to hear your final thoughts and any final pieces of advice for the audience today.
1: And Jen, I love that so much. I can't tell you. It's so freeing when you get to that point, right? Um, and this is a, always a tough question because you feel like it has to be the most important thing you've ever said in your life. But I'll tell you the one—the <laughs> thing that, I, that comes to mind relative to this conversation we're having today is that my advice would be that it's better to be respected for having a voice than liked because you don't. And I think the tendency is, you know, I'm going to sit quietly here in the corner and, and everybody likes me and boy, that Annette, she's just so easy to get along with, you know, that's just not, it's just not who I want to be. You know, I want to stand for something. I want to speak with, with um, intelligence and grace and, and with um, respect um, but I'm going to speak. And that's the I'm comfortable with who I am. And it's taken me a long time to get to this point. And I, but I want to also help other women get comfortable with who they are and find their voice.
0: That's wonderful advice, Annette. And thank you so much, both of you, Annette and Jen, for sharing your insights and knowledge with me today and with the audience today. And thank you all for listening. Share what you learned from this episode with me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by following me at Courtney on Stage. And be sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to Dare to Interrupt on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and more. Stay daring, practice resilience, and keep using your voice, my friends. Until next time.